I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no, did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Oops the Podcast. We are joined, as always, by Francis Ellis. Hey, I'm here. And we have a special guest today, Matteo Lane. Hi, buongiorno. How you doing? Special guest. This would have started 40 minutes ago, but I came in with my PR person, my lighting crew, my director, my... I mean, I really divided it up walking sure in. Did. I did this to Andrew Collins, too. But to be fair, when I did his podcast like three years ago... I walked in and he told me on the spot that it was going to be on camera and it was like pouring rain. I look like shit. I'm like, you have to let people fucking know <laughs> you're going to be on fucking camera. I let him have it for like 20 minutes. I'm insecure. That's why I did all this. We didn't let you know that the cameras would be here. Either. I did. Julio let me oh, he know. He did? Okay. Yeah. Come on. Got it, got it. Mateo is a very funny comedian, a good friend, and a very talented gentleman in, in general. And, and a Graphic naked designer. friend. And a naked friend. We have a great nude encounter that we had recently. Oh, let's start there. It's we're, not as like, I mean, you think it's because we like a bathhouse. Julia was fucking, I mean, it was a long story. But <laughs> really, we just go to the same gym. But we were like changing, had our backs to each other and got naked. Which I love that you get naked in the locker room. Fuck yeah. That's dude. great. That's very whoppy of us. Yeah. Um, totally. And then, and even at one point, I like was in here. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. You're like, it's okay. I don't know why we didn't recognize each other's voices. They're both pretty I know. recognizable. And then fully dressed, turn around, we're like, Oh, hello. Hi, Julio. Yeah. Well, you had lowered your voice an octave, and I don't because know if I'm that's... always trying to like not get that's gays. I'm You're trying not tough. to get hate crimes. Right, right. You were do, you were defending yourself. Because if I I had to use my guest on voice, like yes, yeah, I am sorry. Let me just move this shirt. They're great. You know, I mean, I can't. You know, if I'm in a lock, well, it is Equinox, so everyone there is like everyone ends a sentence in an S. You know, hi. <laughs> like we're all very gay at equinox i have so many questions okay so i know that you're an incredible opera singer sure and i've watched your late night sets i love the one where you open with oh, ness and dorma fucking joke no it's omio babino caro oh and i that's do it right. in a falsetto like i do it in a fake voice well, like, i was gonna say i don't sing like I don't sing in that register. But your speaking voice mm. is very much a baritone. Bass. Bass. It's a full bass. And you did the Gaston. He's the only Disney character lead. I know that is a bass. I think so. You might be right. Yeah, because all the other princes were kind of like baggy tenors, you know? Sure, sure. Now, <laughs> what is your vocal part? Well, I'm a bass when I sing opera. But then I, I can sing really high. That's my point. I mean, how is that even possible? I don't know. My de my voice teacher told me I had really long vocal cords. So, like, the fact that I'm, like, going, like, B -O, and then that seller helps it go, like, like the yeah. <clears throat> the high whistle tones. <laughs> yeah. But I'm a little tired right now, so they don't sound so good. Got it. But it's a pretty big range. I think six octaves. Heavens. All together. I mean, I, I'm a bass, and I've done a lot of singing. Do you sing? I do, yeah. Oh, work. Did yeah. you take lessons and stuff? I did, yeah. Nice. Did you sing classical? Uh, Well, I grew up singing in the chamber choir and stuff like that. Oh, uh, that's great. <laughs> and did you, did you originally have, like, the, were you like one of the kids singing in your I was falsetto? A, no. Like that? I, I was like, always. Oh, holy a... night. Oh, holy night. <laughs> And you're like, 
<laughs> in a robe. we didn't sing. I didn't sing in a chamber choir at church. Oh, I thought you were like the church, like Catholic. You no, don't look Catholic. No, no, no. It was like Protestant or something. Yeah, Episcopalian. Yeah, yeah. Protestant. Yeah, <laughs> so different than Catholic. Classic. Yeah. yeah, but but I was never able to come even close. I mean, my falsetto would kick in. Usually falsetto for basses, though, is quite strong because our vocal cords are longer. So you're able to use more of your range. Real true tenors, like Pavarotti, I, their voice is already so high up in the register that they're already singing where our falsetto would start. So it's Got like it. they don't have like the range of falsetto. I mean, that's not true for everybody. For I think most people, like, mm. it, it, that's, is this... Am I entertaining? No, this is good. All? I'm very interested. Okay, I'm like, are your do the, your fans even give a shit? No, dude, they're gonna. <laughs> okay. dude, you remind me. You're like Willie the Operatic Whale. You ever see that cartoon? No. It's about oh, you. Gotta, you you would love it. It's I about would love this, it. Oh, an operatic whale. It's about this whale who's like the greatest opera singer in the history of the world, and cool. like you know how there's the things in the back of your like throat that shakes. They're like yeah. Ah. That thing, this whale had three of them, so he could sing in like the Blue th Lady in Fifth Element. He could sing. Uh, she has that too. Do you remember she was like, like her voice like went yes. really weird. So is that? But then yeah. this this uh, Italian opera guy thinks that he swallowed opera singers. He goes, "She's a swallow three opera singer." So then they murder the whale, <laughs> and it's sad. <laughs> but dude, you got to see it. It's great. Willie, like a terrible story. <laughs> it's, it's tragic for sure. This whale's like, I sing. Literally, and like murder him. It, it's it's really incredible. You got, is it you an Italian see. folk? story no but it's he, gotta be he sings... tragic it doesn't end well <laughs> that's every account nothing ends well right. dinner breakfast operas movies coffee that's you know someone's a true wop too like you know alex pavone yes what is, what he is, is wop a wop uh, is a, a derogatory term for, for italians oh. wop guinea greaseball dago ginzo ginzo i never heard ginzo before geep you ever hear geep i started thinking my dad made some of what's these up geep? what's geep a geep is a fucking you know hey you guys aren't even sicilian too no no, we're Sicilian, but we might as well be like this whole northern southern thing. Like my dad's family are they're like mountain people. They're not right. like sophisticated. You know but I mean? even them, they'd be like, we're not Sicilian. Right, right. You know, well, my dad wouldn't say that, but yeah. I'm sure we have family members who might. Of course. Yeah. I have a question. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you have many. I don't understand how your biceps can be that big. Well, I'm wearing a kid's extra large. Okay, so you, it you, looks I always <laughs> I always focus on your biceps all over Did your you just come out right now i, I am this very i'm very happy to tell you so you, you, you biceps I look here camera this is the uh, thing i don't understand though uh, mateo i i work out compulsively okay and i spend a lot of time doing bicep exercises okay. and i do tons of pull-ups i've read all the things I cannot add any meat to so my how biceps. Many, how tall are you? Six foot three. Thank God. And how much do you eat <laughs> a day? How many meals? A lot. Like how many calories? Well, you've been saying you haven't been eating well, much. Well, lately it's fallen Like what do you have for breakfast? A, a big portion of overnight oats with banana and blueberry. There's no protein? Uh, well, there's they're mi it's mixed with. I make it you myself. Should have a, you should at least, if you want to like really gain muscle and you're working out that consistently... You need to be supplementing your muscles with protein to help them grow and repair. I know, I know, and and I, I there have been times in my life where I've gone through phases of truly trying to put on weight, 
and I got up to 218. That's good. Once. And and now I'm 205. I'm but, 165. This is the most I've ever weighed. But even when I was 218 pounds, most of the muscle was in my legs and shoulders. Well, then... I could not get my arms to look any different. You could. You just have to be lifting heavier and eating more, unfortunately. I mean, that's pretty much it. You what should... about steroids? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, steroids will give you muscles, for sure. But steroids will also... Here's why I won't... Steroids are so tempting for me, because I'm that vain and insecure, that I would love to just be... Like, my dream would be to be just, like, gays who take steroids just so they take a good picture at Mykonos once a year. <laughs> That's my goal. But I don't need back knee, and I don't need enlarged organs. Yeah. I don't... And, and here's why I won't do it. Permanently changes your vocal cords. Really? So it it would fucks be, your hair up, too, right? Yeah, and I'm already... My hair's already going. So it's like, I, I don't need to lose more hair, and I would, like, years and years and years of training... On my voice, which I use all the time, it'd be gone. Right. Not gone, but like not the same. So mm -hmm. I couldn't depend on it the way I can depend on it now. So I wouldn't do it that for that reason. Okay. Dude, I remember the day, Mateo, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to change the subject, but this is in relation to this. When you were a skinny little guy mm -hmm. and you one day were like, I'm going to get really jacked. <laughs> you said that. You're like, I'm going to get huge. Yeah. You're like, I'm trying to get huge. <laughs> And, you, all, right. and he also goes, and I no longer give a fuck. And I was like, what do you mean? And then he goes, just look at my Instagram. And then that was the day where you truly f became free, a free bird, dude. And you've never looked back. You've been killing it ever since in yeah. all facets of life. Thanks, man. So that's good. <laughs> so the shred, he, he decided. It was, must have been three years ago. Maybe like three and a half years ago, four years ago, I was like, I need to change. And my sister's an IFBB pro. She's an international fitness bodybuilder. So her whole job is like she's very like famous in that world and she knows everything about like your body, nutrition, everything. So I just called her up and I was like, write me a diet. So she yeah. did and I followed. I mean, and I was 140 at the time and now I'm 165. So that's how much muscle I've had to put on. Wow. But over four years. I mean, right. it takes a long time. Right. And every yeah. time you're constantly adapting your diet. So I've changed my diet recently. I'm back to five meals a day. I mean, it's a lot. Big meals. And I've watched you eat whatever the fuck you want, too. I usually reserve like hard. one meal a day to like eat whatever I want. But mm. I have a high meta metabolism. Is this in is this interesting? It, it is. Very um, it, is. Um, it is. It is. But but yeah. So she had me start. She was like, "You just need to start eating." So my first diet was like my breakfast was like two bagels, seven egg whites. Like she just had me eating and eating and eating because she was like, "You have to put on weight," and I did. But I mean, at the time, I would like wait. I just didn't know how to eat. That sounds crazy. But I'd like wake up, make coffee, maybe have cereal, then like. Three hours later, like, I guess I'll have pasta. And then, like, I don't know, like, an hour later, I'm like, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll have peanut butter. And then for dinner, I'm like, whatever me and Evan Williams could find in the city doing open mics. I'm like, <laughs> I guess we'll just get, like, Indian food or Chinese food or just, like, not, like, thinking about my diet. Now I'm like, it's been three hours. I have to have this much protein and this much carbs and blah, 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 blah. Do you find it exhausting to be that? No, I like it. I'm someone who, I'm a creature of habit. I love to have a routine. I hate breaking my routine. Even when I go on the road, I bring Tupperware with me. I go to a grocery store. I buy pre-grilled chicken. I buy instant rice. I buy instant oatmeal. I buy yogurt. And then I can microwave my meals and keep myself on my diet. And it, you, it's cheap, too. I'm spending $50 for four days. Meals done. Guys, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, fill in the blanks here. If I were in a concert right now and i said if you're thinking about starting a podcast 
I then turned the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium and you would all yell anchor anchor. And then you'd say, go to anchor.fm to download the software where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user-friendly and nice and not too technical and industry jargony. It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, Ooh, that's pretty. And also it's our podcast. And there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running. It's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, anchor.fm, download it now. Mateo, I have so many more questions. Please. Okay. I want to move into a different realm. Okay. Okay. So here's a question. Today on Twitter, Uh the hashtag. uh, I stopped tweeting years ago. Uh, over a year ago. The, today, I saw a, a trending hashtag, which was uh, real bisexual man. Uh-huh. And it was all these guys who were saying, because someone had said there's no such thing as a bisexual man. Uh, you know, and you've heard, we've heard that before. Like, if you hook up with guys, you're just gay and, you, you know, whatever. And these guys were all kind of saying, no, 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 back and forth. My question for you is... Oh, God. Now I'm the faggot expert all of a sudden. <laughs> all right. Go ahead. I, I, you know, I, I certainly believe in the, the Kinsey scale spectrum of sexuality. I hear a butt coming. No pun intended. <laughs> uh, is there such a thing as a dead center bisexual man? Yeah. Who will, will be just as likely... To be attracted to women. Here, as here's what I would say about that. I would say that comes from, um, not to be super serious, but it comes from systemic misogyny and homophobia, where men are so misogynistic and so homophobic for a long time, they believe women could be bisexual because they still wanted to believe that they were still of interest to that woman. It still served them in some way, but it was an anti-feminine being anti-gay is also being anti-feminine because what you're trying to say is, oh, you're acting effeminate. You do this with another man. Oh, then you are like a woman. It's it's It lumps those two together. So I think back in the day, if you sucked one dick, you're a fag forever, right? And so now we're trying to change that where it's like, well, no, there are guys out there who can suck a dick and also be interested in women. It's just, I mean, it just is what it is. But, but. I think we're so stuck in our ways of like, well, it's it not not you in particular, but it is a narcissistic point of view to assume because you can't wrap your mind around it, then it just can't exist. Not you in particular. I'm talking right. about these people. I'm talking we're existential. Right. So yeah, if someone says they're bisexual, dead center down the middle, bisexual, fine. Great. I think the reason I ask that is not because I don't believe in it. It's just that most of the bisexual people that I have met seem to prefer one side or the other that and they've admitted that to mm-hmm. me. like they're the majority of their dating history it, it also changes with every person you talk to like i think trying to i mean just speaking as my experience like people try and say all gays are this way which i can make jokes like that but it's like i'm being i'm trying to be funny you know what i mean like i'm trying to make whatever but generalization about people because you know a few other people who feel a certain way doesn't represent everybody as a whole. I actually think there's a lot more bisexual people out there, but I think there is this kind of uh, because people you know, you say you're gay, they'll believe you. You say you're straight, they'll believe you sometimes. And <laughs> I think people get such backlash for saying that they're bisexual that they just don't even want to deal with it. Would you say that bisexual people are now? I don't know uh, how I become the expert on this. 
<laughs> well, I just, I just, I'm so fascinated by sexuality in general. Okay. And, um, I can tell by your shorts. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I wore them specifically because I knew you were coming. Uh-huh. Today. Um, I think uh, now I can't remember what I was going to And by ask. the way, I'm not the expert, so everything I'm saying, who the fuck knows? Right. But I'm pretty down for anything. Nice. Um, well, that's, I mean, that's really interesting. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I think that it, to try to like sort of, and I know that it's hacky to even use the word label. Yeah, but, the but idea, it's true. People it, it do. Is. The idea of being like, you said this, therefore you're this, right. is very much oversimplifying something that's right. much more complicated. It's also human nature to want to categorize things, put them in a box and keep them there so we understand it. Right. It's like a selfish behavior to be like, well, I need to understand what you are. So tell me what you are exactly. So that way I know it's like, what, what is this? Like, why is any of this? We make so many other people's business about ourselves when it has nothing to do with us. Mm. Totally. And that's not even just with bisexual people. It's with trans people. It's with gay people. It's with straight people. It's with non-binary people. It's like, I don't understand why we're so (coughs) caught up in this, um, uh, of identity politics of like, of needing to know what somebody is and right. what they are. I'm like, has nothing to do. Like it, it just goes to show you don't care who someone is. Right. You care what you think they are. Right. And it, it's like stopping us from moving forward. I think mm. Definitely. it's a lesson that I think parents can learn with everything about their kids. You know what I mean? This idea that you know, what's right, right. is not correct. Right. And you also forget, I feel, and again, I'm not a parent, so... I'm know. I'm doing the smartest thing a parent's ever done. I'm not having children. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, pro- probably very true. Are you uh, obstinate about I that? Ne- I will never have kids. You know what I hate when I say I don't want kids and people follow up? Well, you know you can have them. I'm like, oh my God. I wasn't asking how to acquire them. <laughs> I know how to acquire them. I talked to a lesbian, but I... That's annoying. I mean, yeah. What, it's like, no, I said I don't want them. What part... Why? What? What, what is this? Yeah. But no. I feel like, you know, we forget that... We assume that we didn't know anything when we were younger. Right. And I don't know if you guys have ever done this. I've, like, looked back at my, like, diary stuff, and I don't really have one, but there were times where I would write stuff down, and I've kind of come across them uh, over the years. And I've noticed that I am so much more like my current self than I ever thought that mm-hmm. I was. You know what I mean? So I think that that is something that parent, a parent should remember when they're dealing with their kid is that they know what they want sort of. You can guide them. As a, as a uh, artist, I think it's interesting in the same way. It's like uh, interesting that you say that because th- what I was thinking as a kid was constantly being documented because I was always drawing it. And my interests in what I draw and paint today haven't changed. So who you are as a kid is who you are as an adult. I mean, obviously there's changes and you evolve and you learn and you grow, but I think the base of who you are just grows. You don't quite change. Like, I don't feel so different than, I mean, I feel more confident. I feel smarter and I feel like, you know, those types of things, but like internally, like at core who I am, I feel the same as I was when I was five, a faggot (laughs) and um, a giant homosexual who loves storm and Maleficent. That's who I am. I love Maleficent too. Love dude. She's the best. Was my everything is like oh she's not the angelina jolie bullshit no i'm talking the 1959 designed by mark davis sleeping beauty disney art director ivan earl maleficent your life is this i think the word panoply i don't know what that means um it's just a, a totally amazing a group of interests mm-hmm. that you have become a master at Art, 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 
drawing <laughs> struggle with that drawing you, you said art like it was the first time you'd yeah. ever said it i don't know I, I i was trying to art. say artistry and artism i don't it didn't work uh and then of course music and and singing mm-hmm. you play the piano I no believe? i don't i just sing oh okay if i could play the piano i would be sitting in a mansion somewhere never speaking to you people <laughs> <laughs> and then somehow you became a, a, a fantastic stand-up comedian sure so well that's true how do you balance these things? Which one would you have wanted at a young age to have succeeded in the most? Um. Well, okay. So you want, is this, I hope this is interesting. I mean, I can get into it, sort of have an existential conversation about my theories on art and what that means. Um. But I don't know if this is going to be entertaining for your listeners. That's that, like whatever you want. Funny. I'm here yeah. talking about drawing and art. I think, um, my first identity was an illustrator, and I think I think I really do believe you're born an artist. I don't know if you can work at it. I think people can work at a skill, but there's just such a difference looking at different artists and painters. And look, some people just are born with it. And um, my mother was born with it. <laughs> Maybe it's Maybelline, um, but she was. But my mother's a, a brilliant, 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 brilliant artist. But look, she grew up Italian, Mexican. Like her life was to have kids. You know what I mean? And that and that she did. But she never forced us to draw or anything. But I think it's genetics because my brother's the top designer at Apple. And my sister is a can do interior decoration. Unbelievable. I mean, she's such a brilliant mind with that. And I can draw and paint. And I was a neurotic, this neurotic compulsion as a kid. I don't know what it was to draw and get better and draw and get better. That just must be innate with my personality or how I'm wired. But I did get whatever my mom had in terms of art. But I do think when you think of like art, when you think of singing, when you think of comedy, it all stems from the same place. It all comes from the, not just the need to express yourself, but I think it's communication. So, and my interest in language. I think I, I must have a fundamental need to feel the need to communicate. And you communicate through stand-up, you communicate through singing, you communicate through art. Um, so I think that's where it stems from, but a lot of those processes work the same way. So my process with art and the type of dedication and sacrifice you have to have in order to achieve the goals you want for yourself is literally like putting yourself in a straitjacket. I mean, you just, when I, the, the same way I did art is the same way I did stand up. No drinking, no dancing, no dating. No, I just was just doing art. That's all I wanted to do. I had seven-hour painting classes. I'd go home. I'd paint for another seven hours. I lived in Italy to paint. I was, like, obsessed with painting and drawing. And then I got a job working as an illustrator and had to build up that portfolio. It's all just, I mean, it's all, you know, putting yourself in a routine and getting yourself better. And, uh, and stand-up's the same way. At some point when I started doing stand-up, I saw so many parallels with singing and drawing of like, well, this is where I'm at when I started singing and I have this much more to go. Like you can start to see the same patterns in this, in different art forms because it all comes from the same place. It's just a different type of expression. So if that makes any sense. Yeah. To me, this makes absolutely. sense in my head. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. It's like the type of thing that, you know, it's a process. You know right. I mean, for lack of a better term, I guess. And it takes time and you can you get what you put into it right. to some degree as well. And it requires focus and kind of like energy to make those strides. Cause right. you could easily not make them. Right. You know I mean? And I, I actually don't see much difference between those three things, singing, drawing, stand up. Mm. To me, they do feel quite similar. 
So if you had your pick, which one would be the one that would become your full-time career and for which you'd become stand-up? I mean, I did drawing for a full-time career and it kills you. When I met you, that's or what you were doing. Yeah, yeah. And then singing. I, well, I do singing now. I do a monthly show at Joe's Pub where I get to sing. Mm. But there's too much pressure with singing, not the same type of pressure with stand-up. Singing, you have to worry about your voice, worry about things. It's just singing, I don't know. It, was, it, would, it would become the same as drawing, where like you're doing it and you start to lose joy for it. Mm. So stand-up, I always feel joy. Or at least, I mean, for, I mean, I'm doing eight years, so maybe 15 years I'll have a different opinion on it. Mm. But stand up. But if I had to like keep one of them, drawing. Interesting. Just because it's like at the core, that's I think what I am as an illustrator. Wow. Because it's my first identity, right. and it's what's most natural to me. Mm. Like sitting and drawing. If I couldn't draw, I think I would end it. Do you ever? <laughs> <laughs> I would. I would literally end it. I would be like. <laughs> done do you ever feel that your pursuit of the other disciplines uh takes you away from improving in any one of them no because i i think you need a balance like if you do too much stand-up you wear you grow tired of it and your brain needs to move somewhere else and like concentrate on something else so i go through waves of like drawing tons of drawings like i fly a lot so i draw when i'm flying so i'll just sit on my ipad and draw Right. And then some, it just like one day will come and it's done. Oh, I need to let that refill back to stand up, you know, and singing, right. singing kind of comes and goes, you know, like how much joy do you feel with it? it it's all kind of organic. Well, let me ask you guys a question. This, this, no, art, <laughs> this art discussion is reminding me of this. And this is something that I've been hearing for years that frustrates me. I want to know where you guys stand on this. I'll go to the museum and, you know, whether it be MoMA or the Met in their modern art uh, wing mm -hmm. and there'll be paintings and a lot of them people be like, oh, I could have made this. And that frustrates me. Yeah. It's like, well, you didn't make you, it. Exactly. You didn't make it. Right. And the fact that they just did it at all. I know it's just one color of blue. Right. But there's some interesting story as to why. And like you didn't do it. Therefore, that, in my opinion, is an outrageous well, be because modern art, this this is the thing. Art used to be a service of the church and rich people. And, um, you know, people didn't read back then. So you needed art to tell stories. You needed art to sort of share your history. Um, then photography came out. And that's when art took a huge shift because right. we didn't need portraits anymore. We didn't need these realistic paintings anymore. Right. So we moved into impressionism. We moved outside of the studio. The technology of the art got better. People were painting what they were feeling rather than what they were seeing, which changed how we see art. And then that started this avalanche of how do we progress and move forward in art and so sometimes you look at pieces like the Seurat painting in Chicago the, the Dada right. painting uh, at the park on the, right on the beach. and Ferris Bueller right so that's something that will exist forever in time right because it's so iconic but some art isn't meant for that some art is meant right now I'm just opening the door so other artists can see art in a different way so if it's a blue painting just a blue right canvas maybe that painting was for a moment in time but it doesn't mean that it's something that you know art isn't meant to be i do this and no one else can do it that's just not the case right art is meant to 
to express something to open the eyes of other people looking at it and have people look at something in a different way. Right. Which is what impressionism and post-impression it was an abstract expressionism and cubism and all, you know, pointillism and, you know, all these things from Dali, all these painters were trying to get us to see art as something besides just the need to uh, propaganda for the church or a nice portrait of a rich lady. Right. 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 So that's would be my answer to that. Do you think that there's a line though? And what I mean by that, I think there's is, a lot of bullshit in the art world, right? For like sure. when when something <clears throat> goes viral for for say the banana, the banana peel, right. <laughs> or a piece of trash, or something like that that sells for x thousands of dollars and becomes mm-hmm. a viral story, it almost feels like the person is trolling the world at that right. point. Do you think that that is still well, art? Or not? I think that there's, this is something that Fran Lebowitz talked about where she was talking about the blind art collector is the symbolism for what art is. And what she was saying is there was a, um, there was a Picasso painting that this guy spent millions of dollars on and then accidentally poked a hole in it. Right. And, and everyone's like, which Picasso painting was it? Everyone's like, I don't know. It was the $14 million Picasso painting. Like they didn't even know the Picasso painting. And then the guy who owned it was blind. So that's like, all right, so the guy can't even see the painting. No one could say what the painting was. We just knew how much money it was. So art in and of itself has become all art forms, right? Is is the history of art is money. It's it is people who can support right. artists, right? So there is this kind of like weird handshake between money right. and artists. The Medici legacy. The Medici, legacy. of course. That's like the best example. Um, but I mean, without it, would there be a Renaissance? Right. Exactly. You know? So I think that there's a lot of bullshit artists out there who are less concerned about the actual art form and more concerned about gaining something from it. Mm -hmm. Looking cool. Will these rich art collectors think I'm the next cool thing? We see this in comedy all the time. We know tons of comedians who are, you see them doing all these other things except caring about their jokes i'm doing this and i'm doing that and i'm seen with these people and i'm wearing this and i go there and it's like okay what about the jokes right, right? so what what's more important to you here and then you know certain people like other comments like oh well, that person you know whatever they got a big break and they're not even that funny blah 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 and it's like the emperor without his clothes and this and that. it's like that exists in every single art right, form right. i mean there's singers who cannot sing right million dollar singers touring the world microphone to their face cannot sing a note same thing. Huh. So it's not sometimes, you know, we almost have so much art and there's so much exposure that I don't know that you're going to get a lot of, um, you know, you're not going to catch a lot of Whitney Houston's. You know right. what I'm saying? Like Dude, that's a once in a lifetime. The other day. At, She's at unbelievable. The Super Bowl. It was unbelievable how casually she was knocking the stadium down. With her voice. She's unbelievable. She's unbelievable. Dude, that tracks. To, to your point. I know. Dude, yes, the tracks. <laughs> um, what you said, though, about the trolling. That you could argue is the art, the the act of the troll. Where like you know Banksy had the thing that destroyed itself supposedly during the auction. Like, right. couldn't you argue that that in itself is the purpose of it? Right. And that would that all make I don't know. It's a, a value. And I think sometimes you know what you could argue that hey, this is uh, this banana peel is represents blah 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 blah. But it, to spend right. thousands of dollars on it, I'll never forget this. This was the best thing ever. I was in college i went to the school of the art institute of chicago i was in advanced figure painting and my teacher dan gustin who i absolutely love he was so tough i mean he was tough 
you'd be we, remember we have seven hour painting classes and he really wanted to challenge you that painting was a lot more about mental blocks than it was physical and so you'd be working on this painting and he'd walk up and just take black paint and smear it and say keep going and people would scream or people would cry yeah. or people would do that and so he, intense and he would always say you're not making the masterpiece you're working towards it which I've always kept that in my mind for my whole life. This, like, if I bomb, I'm like, this isn't the masterpiece. I am just working towards it. It's just Dan Gustin doing this overpainting. That mm. guess what means nothing to me. So he, one time, we had this girl <laughs> come in our class, and she was from her studio, and she was one of the, you know, she had these giant paintings of these like sexy women, right? And it was sort of like, you know vaginas and you know like legs and butts and just like real sexual right and she stood up there and she you know it's critique day so everyone gets critiqued right you sit there you put your paintings up everyone's like it sucks so she starts reading off this thing she's going on and on and on this represents this and this represents that and she's going on and on Dan's just staring at it and finally he goes yeah, I think you just need to admit you like painting naked women <laughs> And she was like, that's not true. He goes, yeah, I think it is. I think what you read was complete bullshit. And that is art in a sense. People want to do something but want to make it feel like it's better or bigger or greater. So they learn how to, you know, every time you see a painting and there's a really long explanation next to it, chances are not so great. Hmm. If it's a painting and you don't need to read anything about it, that's what but, a painting's supposed to do. But might that be a service of the museum in which it hangs to try to sure. prop right. it up. Sure. Right. Of course. Or explain what people are looking at. Right. Sure. Right. Well, this is also the thing that I would say to these people who shit on modern art. It's like, what about the the previous 700 years? Right. Where everybody just painted the Virgin Mary in the trial. Like, right. How many times am I supposed to fucking look at the Virgin Mary? A lot. There's a $45 million painting in the Met. That's this big of the Virgin the Mary. Virgin Mary. I'm like, this is the same thing. Yeah. I don't know if there's any truth to that, but I believe the original in the original scriptures because they were written, I believe, fifty to one hundred years after Jesus's death in ancient Greece, so in another country, and I believe the translation of "young woman" moved to "virgin" by the time it got translated into Latin, which I I think having a virgin birth was already stemmed from multiple pagan religions. So I don't even actually think the original story of Mary, wherever the fuck that came from. I mean, we know it came from Greece. Um, was technically a virgin, but I might be wrong on that. Hmm. Our, oh. our pious listeners are going to so be Google it furious. That, I mean, that's yeah. what struck a chord. Imagine that we had this devout following <laughs> of our podcast. You imagine? Not only was he gay, but he totally blew up my theory. <laughs> Never allow Mateo back. I know. I'm really, I really am not a fun guest. I'm sorry, everyone. All this, you're, you're all this fun. for good lighting. Okay, I'm really out of my mind. <laughs> I'm, fa- you look I'm cozy, bro. I'm so cozy. Are you joking? This is great. <laughs> I'm living. This place is amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. Well, so that brings up what, what the whole meat of this podcast. Yes, sir. Which is we try to, you know, ask our guests about mistakes that they've made. I don't see that I've made any mistakes. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I know that I, what you're going to say, and I understand that it led you to where you are now. And ultimately Mm -hmm. they weren't mistakes, Mm -hmm. but things at the time that you you felt were, that you felt was a mistake and how you handled it. And things that scared you in the moment where you thought, Oh boy, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Um, 
I don't know if in the moment, but I looking back now realize like maybe right. like I used to tweet live. I used to live tweet red carpet events and just like go after like the ugly dresses and like make fun of people and stuff and just like mean spirited. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's funny. Like I could look back now and <laughs> probably see it's funny, but like I wouldn't do that now. You right. know, it's like how am I exerting my energy? Is this worth it? Um, well, do you also think it's because now you are a prominent person? You are a person who could be getting ridiculed by some random person on Twitter. I'm not, I, mean, I already have, right. You know, um, but it's it's more about like the more you're doing something, the, just again the better gauge that you have of what you're doing, and is that the kind of stuff that I want to get into? You have to remember too, like a lot of stuff when you're starting out, you just want to be seen, you want to be noticed, you want to right. feel validated for for the work, the sacrifice that you're putting in. Totally. So you go to these extremes. Dude, I auditioned for the Blue Man Group. Right. Okay. Again, I'm like here. Here's the thing: is like I also have to be forgiving to myself. I was a young kid on TV for the first time being told by people that I trusted that something was going well. And that wasn't the case. So now when I'm on set, I'm quite, I'm not difficult by any means, but I'm not, I don't just, if someone comes up and tells me something and I see that red flag, I immediately shut it down and just, I don't give a shit. I'm just like, Nope, I'm not doing that. Well, we really like it. I'm not. So you're going to have to figure out something else because I'm not going to go through that again. I'm not going to hurt someone's feelings or do something I don't want to do or, you know, that's really interesting. 100%. Dude. Yeah. Dude, the, someone asked me to do a show uh, in about a month. And it's just a big stand-up show. And I agreed to do it. And then yesterday, he messaged me to ask it, to confirm. And I said, great. Yep, still in. And he said, okay, by the way, there's one other thing I wanted to run by you. It's no big deal. Um, the The reason this show came to be was because another comedian dared me that I couldn't do it and make it happen. And nobody really knows who that guy is. I was just thinking it'd be a lot more meaningful because people like origin stories if I could say that you were the comedian who dared me to do it. What? And I was like, dude, I am not. No. I don't want to be part of your lie. Right. Right. Like that's, I'm sorry, but no. Yeah. And he was like, oh, okay. Well, I didn't think it would be a big deal. I was like, I, dude, oh, that's so annoying. You can't, you can't just fabricate you're overreacting. me in to your weird fuck lie. You is what I, would say. Yeah. <laughs> I would be like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. People totally. think that like just because they offer stage times means that I'm desperate enough to go do it and this and this. Like, I have dignity. Yeah. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a part of your neurotic compulsion to prove something to a bunch of strangers and they use me. No. Right. That's not what this is about. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I, it's it's true. You need to learn that moment because like. There's been plenty of times, too, where I'm like, I'm a team player. I want them to say that I was easy to work with, and they'll hire me again later. Right. And all bright-eyed. And then you realize that you really just get taken advantage. You're a monkey, Derek. Yeah. There was a couple shows. That show in particular, I didn't have a bad experience. That whole show, I mean, it was good for, like, learning TV and learning. It was like TV camp boot camp. Yeah. You know what I mean? But stuff like that, it's like I really learn, and it's like, oh, I, I you know. Yeah, stuff like that. So stuff like that keeps me up. I'm like, I have a knot in my stomach thinking like, you know, not that it's going to come haunt me or anything, but I, I just, just the fact that like you can so easily be taken advantage of and people don't understand because the producers aren't going to get in trouble. They're, by the way, that show's over with. They moved on their own jobs. Right. We're the casualty. Absolutely. I'm the one in front of people. I'm the one getting called faggot on Twitter. Exactly. So it's like, you know, yeah, yeah I don't want to wear that or no, I don't, you know what I mean? You have to be like a little in, kind of 
in control of your image and career and letting people take advantage of you. Hmm. Absolutely. Dude. They do it in indie films, especially. Really? I mean, I don't know. Like I've been asked to eat shit where I'm like, I'm not eating that dude. They're like, well, Leo. Is it John Waters? <laughs> no, no, no. They were asking me to eat <laughs> mushrooms. Like these, like, uh, and, I, and I was like, I'm not eating raw mushrooms, dude. Like, I just did a commercial with Giannis, and um, the, it was for a heartburn relief commercial. And we were supposed to pretend to eat, like, spicy stuff and then, you know, like, be funny, this and that. Well, you know, we were eating stuff, and the, first of all, the director was horrible. And there was <laughs> no direction. I mean, I was like, do we need this again? How should we be responding? And we're also in a parking lot. It's really hot. And uh, so they didn't tell us. They put in, like, the really, the spiciest spice you can get. Like, those, like, daring spice ones. Yeah. And then <laughs> surprised us. And I start, you take one bite and you're involuntarily crying. Oh, my God. Weeping, sweating, blah, 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 blah. This and that. And everyone's laughing. I, oh, when I make, when I mean I was angry. Oh, I was furious. Yeah. Stuff like that. I'm like, you fucking That's assholes. Fucked up. I'm an adult. I'm a professional. You, I'm not on fear factor. That's crazy. Yeah, I was furious. Giannis was laughing at me. <laughs> huh. That's really annoying, dude. Wow. Well, uh, man, Mateo, what a fascinating, the breadth, the breadth, the breadth, the breadth of this podcast with you has been far exceeded. It has exceeded. And really, I feel like I came off kind of bitchy and too no, nerdy. No, we covered, no? Uh, you know, your existential take on art. Sure. As well as uh, sexuality and, uh, you know, your regrets. Getting of, yoked. But not really regrets. What's yoked? Getting oh, jacked. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, it's, and we really appreciate it. Thank you for coming Thanks on. Thanks for having me. Where, where can our beloved listeners follow you? The Papaya Stand on 6th Avenue. <laughs> um, you can follow me on Instagram at Mateo Lane, M-A-T-T-E-O-L-E-N-E. Unless you don't like male nudity, then don't. Yeah. That's what I would recommend. Any upcoming shows that uh, you want to play? Uh, when does this air? Uh, it will air next Thursday. All right. Let's see what I got going on. So I like how my butt came up as a selfie in my phone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will be at the House of Comedy in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, March 5th to the 8th. March 20th to the 21st, I'll be at Lincoln Lodge, Chicago. March 26th, 28th, I'll be at the Vermont Comedy Club. And... April 9th to April 11th, I'll be at the Comedy Store in La Joya, Joya, La Joya, La Joya, and I speak <laughs> Spanish, uh, California. Nice. Fuck yeah, dude. You can find all my dates at MateoLaneComedy.com. Great. G? Uh, sweet. I'm going to be at South by Southwest. Um, I think Cap City Comedy Club on that Thursday, and then I'm somewhere Saturday. I forget the exact place, but I'll be posting about it and stuff. So. And I'm not Julio. Cool. At Francis CCLs for me, I'm at Helium Comedy Club, Philadelphia, March 5th to the 8th. Tickets for that at FrancisEllis.com. This is Zoops the Podcast. Thanks as always for listening.